Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Payne, founder and owner of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, today, I have with me Mike Falk, developer uh, in Marin. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And as always, I have our founding uh, agent, Isaiah Chass. Isaiah, thanks for joining us. You bet. So today we're going to talk about uh, a project that you've been working on for some time right now, yep. uh, 55 uh, Brookdale Apartments, uh, the Brookdale Apartments right off Lincoln Avenue in San Rafael that way. Yep. So why don't we jump right into it and tell us, you know, kind of the history of the project and then kind of how you got, how you got involved in this. Sure, sure. Uh, so as a Marin-based developer, I'm always kind of on the lookout for uh, opportunities in Marin or Sonoma. Um, in the city. Uh, and this one came up. It uh, came on the market in March of 2020. So this is just as uh, the pandemic is setting in. Uh-huh. And um, it sat on the market for a couple months with no, uh, no interest at all. Uh, I became aware of it uh, in May of 2020. And um, we put it into contract uh, and it was, it's two adjacent lots. Uh, they're street through to through, uh, through uh, street to street from Brookdale to Lincoln, um, totaling a little over 11,000 square feet between the uh, combined lots. Uh, and that part of Lincoln is fairly uh, thoroughly developed. Right. right? It, this looks like a very good fit for that area that yeah. way, that it, it goes with what's currently right there. Yeah, this, so. uh, you know, this is sort of the broken tooth within that uh, street, right. got sort of built on both sides, but this is the one lot. And actually it had it had a duplex on there, uh, I think probably built in the 20s or turn of the century, something like that. It burned down in the 60s and then just never got replaced. Really? Okay. Uh, and the the... The previous owner, uh, he had been a developer. He eventually passed away, but his kids uh, sold the property. Um, but that property was always something that he was going to develop at some point and just kind of never got around to it. So mm-hmm. it sat, has sat there, uh, well, until today sure. uh, as a vacant lot. Uh-huh. Um, it, has, it also has a sort of a, a unique challenge um, or a constraint uh, it has a part of uh, a culvert, a good-sized culvert that runs diagonally underneath it. So mm-hmm. that always sort of impinged how you could use the property. Sure. Uh, and I think even for the people that were selling it, the, the thought was, well, maybe you could get four units on there or something like that. And, uh, you know, we just set about kind of figuring out exactly where the culvert was and how we could fit some things in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we put together a program of 10 units um, separated between three different buildings. Uh, and because Lincoln has a certain architectural style mm-hmm. and you see th- some things that are more contemporary there, and then the Brookdale side uh, has something that's more traditional and you have a lot of single-family homes, um, we did something on the Brookdale side that reads more traditional and more con- and on the Lincoln side more contemporary. Ah, how cool. So it really fits in with the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. And I think, you know, the way I look at most properties is really like, you know what's what's speaking to me about that site? Right. How do we make something that's uh, that integrates well with the neighborhood that doesn't you know stick out? That's that's really nice. So again, uh, uh, we bring up a, a point of this uh, in, in our podcast that here we have another local developer 
that's trying to integrate within the community. So I just think it's really important. We, we, we constantly bring that up because people have these misconceptions about local builders and developers and things of that nature. You actually took the time to figure out, hey, how can we make this work within this, the, the current, you know, make it fit within the neighborhood that way so it's not an eyesore, it doesn't stick out. It, the grain, it goes with the grain of the neighborhood that way. So For sure. And, and that's, you know, it's more than just uh, design or architecture. It's really an acknowledgement of, well, what does this neighborhood need? And we know, you know, Broadly speaking, housing's needed everywhere. That's certainly true in right. San Rafael too. You know, do condos fit there? Probably not. This is rental housing. Uh-huh. Not that you couldn't do condos there, and not that you couldn't condo this project. Um, but you know, for our, for the way we thought about it, we thought uh, units work particularly well there. And then, as I met with all the neighbors, you know, one of the things that came up frequently was parking, parking, parking. Um, and so, how as could, is the, the yeah, thing that yeah. comes up with a lot of projects? Right. So, a lot of the uh, the units that are up on Lincoln tend to park down on Brookdale. So, the people on Brookdale get very frustrated with sure. all the lack of parking down there. And you know, when a lot of those buildings were built, they weren't built with an excess of parking. So, uh, that was the other part that we really spent a lot of time. Like, how do we how do we make this a buildable project? I.e., you know, we're not doing podiums or tuck under or something like that that gets more expensive how can we keep our parking fairly inexpensive to build but then provide enough parking so this particular project has um has 18 parking spots okay um but if you're going to do 18 parking spots in a typical surface lot with drive lanes and that kind of That's stuff. That's a lot of space. Yeah, I mean, you could take up your 11,000 right. feet quick. Right, right, right. Uh, so this project, we have no driveways. All the parking is accessed from the Brookdale side, and we've done a combination of tandem and mechanical lifts. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah but, but then you're not giving up any of your land space to driveways. and Right. So, so if you look at this project, it's really... Um, pedestrian centric uh-huh. like that's that's the feel and you know that's generally my philosophy on how we develop projects anyway is we look for sites where that are walkable that you can get to amenities um, but then the site itself and the feel itself when you're there has a sort of pedestrian scale or human scale uh, pedestrian centric uh, thing so the cars are really a secondary thought um, this particular project also has uh, each unit has its own separate uh, bike storage or bike garage, uh-huh. but they're, uh, uh, I think they're four feet by eight feet or five feet by eight feet uh, by eight feet tall, like a little bike garage. Uh-huh. So, so if you're asking someone to not necessarily take their car to be the first thing that they, you know, mm-hmm. get around town in. Right, right. And, and this particular site is right off the bike path. It's eight tenths of a mile to um, uh, to Fourth uh, Fourth Street in the uh, transit terminal. Um, so if you want someone to take their bike first, well, you don't want to necessarily tell them to hike their bike up the stairs into their apartment and right. sit it there in the living room. You got to give them a way to you know. Yeah, that's so. That's so the, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome, and that's the future. And and now I'm starting to get some context of this project. Yeah. So now I can see this is this is a really cool project that way. When you were first talking about it, I didn't like you know you read on paper mechanical parking lifts. You're like, okay, what's that? Yeah. About, right. That's like a weird stretch. You know, right? And, and let's just give people some context here that that parking. Uh, 
it's kind of an issue with real estate. I don't know in San Rafael specifically what it hit is, but here in, in, in Petaluma, we allocate about three parking spaces for every residential unit built. And uh, that can greatly drive up the cost of real estate. So so I, I would... Well, depending on how you're using it. Right, right. If, right, if you're right. using a standard, you know, nine foot by 20 foot space, right. doing three of those, yeah, that eats up a lot of space very quickly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, going to mechanical lifts and things like that... Right really kind of opens up the doors for for projects like this. For sure. And these are so, you know, these are going to be sitting outside. I mean, the, the way you've typically seen mechanical lifts being used, parking lifts being used, is uh, you know, in a high or mid-rise uh, building in the city, and you're putting those in garage spaces that are expensive to develop in the first place. Right. Um, we're doing something different. But, you know, the, the lifts themselves, a standard, uh, not a... Not an exotic sort of you know, separate sleds and puzzle system, nothing like that. A sure. basic like up-down lift can be had for as little as about $4,000. And for something that's, you know, more for this project, I think we've got uh, $9,000 or $10,000 per lift. Right. But yeah. that's a that's a significant savings that over, is. you know, mm-hmm. the driveways, the asphalt, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Now, that's that's a really cool concept. I don't want to get too off on this. I'm kind of, yeah, a, yeah. I'm kind of a car guy, though. Yeah. So is, so this similar, so is this similar to, like, one of the hydraulic lifts that are available inside your garage now yes. where you can stack two cars? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that's what – okay, very cool. So really very standard stuff. So right. So we, uh, we have 10 units here. Um, nine of them each have two spaces. So for this particular stacked lift – that would be one unit with the two stacked spaces. So you don't have other tenants operating your lift with your car on it. You've got your lift. You've got your two cars there. Done. Right. Really simple stuff. If power goes out, you just, uh, you know, there's there's no power needed to lower a car. Right, right, right. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Yeah, um, back to the, the bike parking, that's huge. That's something that we yeah. we feel is so important with new, new development yes. projects. I, I think we're going towards a... Uh, a vision of people being able to be more bike centric and and uh, walking and, and riding their bicycle to city centers and uh, to work even to public transit. What a great way! Well, to do that. especially because this one, I mean, literally the the bike path is adjacent. You know, we're on one side of Brookdale, the other side of Brookdale, and I'll tell you an interesting story about that in a second. Um, we've got uh, sort of open space. Then we've got the uh, smart train rails. The sound wall, the bike path, the freeway. Like at the end of the block, you're on that bike path, and you're you know whether you're going north or south. I mean, you're there. You have access, so right. you know, it would be criminal for us not to really think bikes through for this project. But I think it's more than just you know oh let's let's make bikes you know bike parking available. It's the quality of that bike parking because you know I mean I I'm a cyclist. I have expensive bikes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put my bike, certainly an expensive bike, in a room for bikes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'm going to be afraid that someone's going to come in there and clip it. So, you know, separate storage that is your, and whether you put luggage in there or whatever you put in there, that's important for someone who expects to use their bike and, uh, you know, doesn't want it screwed around with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's. Again, great. I don't know. Uh, we have e-bikes here in the office. That we're going to start them. showing uh, homes on e-bikes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's kind of like uh, uh, what we're going to start doing this year. Same concepts. But I just want to go. So 
getting a better idea of what your 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 really looks like. You know, you're you're familiar with the 15 minute village concept, things of that nature. I mean, that's really what yes. you're building here. So, I mean, kind of, I mean, you you have everything around you. Uh, you know, you 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 have space for parking, but but you probably can live your life without your car a lot of the time and, and promote a healthy lifestyle and things of that nature and a more convenient lifestyle that way. Yeah. So, so um, especially for this site, because you're, you know, you're so close to a transit hub. Right. And then the bike path. But yeah, I mean, I would think for a lot of people, so uh, this particular project has um, nine two bedrooms and one one bedroom. And one of those twos is affordable. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're figuring there's probably two people living, maybe more, right, in each unit, and historically that would be two, two cars, mm-hmm. but with uh, with its adjacency to amenities and to transportation, you know, could you get along with one car and an e-bike or two e-bikes? Yeah, probably yeah. pretty easily. Right, right. Yeah. No. Again, like uh, I think uh, people need to be educated about this. I think there's going to be some pushback just because it sounds like a foreign idea initially, but sure, this is the future. Like, this is really where we're going. So, yeah. And it makes sense for a variety of reasons, you know. Well, we're so. seeing value in real estate there, too, right? So you're seeing a lot more value for things. Certainly, this is true with single families. Um, you know, what used to be you know, 30 years ago, having the house at the end of the road at the top of the hill was great, you know. Right. And now the real those have less value, and the ones that are down in the flats with the sidewalks and walk to school are the really valuable houses. No, exactly. And then, like, God God forbid, let's say this doesn't happen, but let's say COVID hits again tomorrow or something, ever gets shut down. These are yeah. the type of projects that people can live in and actually get out and, and still live a healthy lifestyle. And for us, that's so important. That's really what we want to promote is, is you know, um, how, housing and real estate should have an active, healthy component to it, in our opinion. So, so yeah, uh, so, yeah that's it. Well, I, I totally and agree. And the spaces should be that. flexible. Not only that, they should be flexible. The spaces themselves should be flexible. So, you know, if you look at all our competitive product on Lincoln there, for example, you know, a lot of it was built in the 60s and 70s, 50s, right. whatever. Um, and it's pretty, you know, eight-foot ceilings and sort of standard 1,000 uh, feet kind of thing. Um with what we designed, we designed offices. Everyone has, every every unit has an office. Some actually have full, like, lock-off offices um, because, you know, Great potentially time. you're working yep. at home or, you know, doing yep. a podcast or whatever it is. Right, right. Um, and so when that when that tenant's out there looking at what's available and they're looking at a two-bedroom with an office versus a two-bedroom without or, a, yeah, we can we can be very competitive. And it's not... It's not like there's a lot of extra space that's devoted to that. It's just a lot of thoughtful design before you've built it. And right. uh, yeah, then you can have, like I said, something that's really competitive within that uh, set. Very cool. Very cool. From everything I've heard, it's a really well thought out project, especially for the location in the space. You hear about a lot of projects where a big builder, maybe a national builder, will come and just try to get as many units and as, yeah. as cheaply as possible. This is a project that is completely opposite of really fitting the space well and providing what people need in that area. Well, so now to kind of drill in on the design a little bit more, if you if you're looking at the renders and uh, that we did for this project, um, you'll see there's the Lincoln facing side and the uh, Brookdale facing side. There's parking, and you kind of walk through this uh, this 
portico on the Lincoln side, you come down and all the buildings sort of face into a central courtyard. And within that courtyard, we've got rel relaxation space, we've got gym oh, cool. space and all that. So really, you know, we've, if we're going to put someone in a place, you know, we're going to do a fair number of units there. And we're going to put them in a place where they don't have a lot of uh, access to easy outdoor space. We've really got to make that space incredibly valuable. And I think if you look at the renders, you can really see that this sort of like series of outdoor rooms and living spaces is kind of the core ethos of this project. Right, right. That's great. Again, very well thought out. So where exactly is the project now? What stage? Where, where are you at right now? So. It's entitled. Right okay. Now. So okay. So it's, so it's was, ready to go. Yeah. Um, yep. So we, um, we were actually the first... Santa Fe decided to streamline their uh, entitlement process. So we were the test case. If you were doing 10 units or less, they would do a combined planning and, planning um, commission and design review board hearing. Okay. So that happened uh, a year ago, uh, 10 months ago, um, in June of 2022. Um, it was unanimous, unanimous approval from mm -hmm. both bodies. Uh, then we've moved ahead and did some structural work to kind of flesh out the plans a little bit more. Uh, there are a few options that a developer or a contractor could take on how they would develop this. Obviously, the envelopes are set, but sure. more technique kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, with a little bit more work, uh, you can be pulling permits pretty quick on this. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I think, you know, not to speculate on who buys this, but it does seem to me for a smaller developer like myself or for a smaller contractor who's always wanted to build something and own it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's nothing particularly complex about this site. It's very, very accessible. Okay. Uh, and, you know, a small 10-unit project is a nice thing to be able to, to tuck your, away. Right, right. To, yeah, um, to have in your pocket. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. Uh, talking about, so that, that streamline approval process, I, I'm hoping that sped things up for you. Were there any unique things that came up during the process that you had to deal with regarding to this project? Uh, it did not go as quickly as okay. we would hope. Weird. Yeah, I know. We put our application in in September of 21 and finally okay. got that approval in June of 22. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it went. And that has more to do, you know. You're the guinea pig. Yes. But a lot of this had to do with, you know, COVID hit uh, counties and cities hard and they lost staff. Right. And so they're, you know, all operating yep. on these really sort of skeleton staff and, you know, That's Santa Fe, I would say Santa Fe is a very easy and progressive town to work with. Very good to know. And I'm, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, this this project ended up, ended up the way it does because that that is who they are. Uh -huh. uh, but it doesn't mean they don't run into staffing problems or sure. you know, that kind of stuff. So it took longer than it should have, but, you know, I think uh, the staff there are really good and want to, and the, the city is progressive in so much as they want to assist development for units. That's great. And that's good to know so that for, for any potential buyers out there that you have your a municipality that wants to work with you that's, that has seen a need for housing. Because um, yeah. if you come up Not here like north a, a little bit, <laughs> it can be a little bit more of a fight that way. So uh, well, Things have changed, right? I mean, with, uh, with the, um, the regional housing needs analysis numbers that uh, come out every eight years. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, this last, this current cycle that we're just starting. Right. Um, has been a wake up for every county and city uh, as far as numbers of units that they need to produce. And there, there's no kind of like hedging anymore. 
because the, I hope that's the case. Attending city council meetings up here in Sonoma County, the consensus that we come away with is that, well, they've allocated 14,500 units that need to be built in this next eight-year time period in Sonoma County. I'd say the consensus within the city council member meetings up here is how can we build as few units as possible and still stay in the good graces of, of the, the county because, uh, or the, uh, the state. You don't actually have to build that many units. You have to show good faith in building those units. And so, and so I hope that's the case, but from the rhetoric I've been hearing locally at the, at the meetings is that how many units do we have to build to stay in the good grace of the state? Not, not the numbers. And that, and that concerns me quite a bit. So, so, so I'll give you a little, so Marin County, unincorporated Marin County in the last cycle had to do something like 160 units. Uh-huh. Uh, in this current cycle, it's 3,563. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, there's it's exponential growth. There's no kind of uh, <laughs> they're using every means available. They um, need to use every means. Right, available. they do. Yes, well, especially yes. last cycle compared to this cycle, we're building I think forty percent less housing than yeah. we were in, in last cycle, and we need more housing than we need last cycle. Yeah, we had Generation Housing on our podcast. Are you familiar with uh, Generation Housing? Uh, Generation H. They're a great organization yeah. up here, pro-building, the uh, advocate for housing, the needs for housing. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually put together a study saying that we need fifty-eight thousand units here built in the next eight years, over over fourteen. But anyway, I'm getting, I'm digressing. So yeah. anyway, so um, but this is a project that certainly fits within the housing needs. This, this is exactly what we need: uh, increased density, you know, uh, infill projects of this nature. And you've done a great job um, thinking this one through that way. So, Thank you. So. Thank you. Uh, 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 is there anything else you'd like people to know about this project or anything like that? Um, I mean, it has it has an affordable unit in it right. that makes it an affordable project. Right. Um, so, you know, that's uh, an important uh, give back. And I, I know there are people that be like, it should all be affordable, which it should be if you want to allocate public funds to it. But that's Correct. not where we are. And so for private developers, you know, you still have to make a project the pencils. Uh, and San Rafael actually had a 20% threshold and they lowered it because they just weren't seeing any projects being built. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talk about that quite a bit on the podcast that you, yeah. that at the private sector, you have to have that, uh, you have to build more expensive housing to subsidize the, the less expensive housing. That's just a reality. That's right. So, um, That's right. well, uh, if, if someone is interested in this project, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, so it's actually currently being listed right. with uh, John Garrett, Mark, Marcus, and Millichap. Okay, um, that would be the way. Okay, like I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk with anyone. Sure, sure. No, that's, that's great. probably the route to. Yeah, go. yeah. Can can you state his name again, just so that everyone can oh, hear? Oh, John Garrett. And yeah, Marcus and Millichap. Okay, okay. Uh, out of the San Francisco office. Okay. okay. Yep. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us. I, I hope uh, this project, uh, you know. Projects like this are needed in the North Bay, so hopefully yeah. it's it's seen all the way through that way. And uh, yeah, we'll keep it, we'll be keeping our eye on it to to watch it for the future that way. And, and Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, it. On that note, uh, I'm Sean Payne, uh, founder and owner of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Thank you very much for uh, uh, joining us today. If you like this content, please hit like and subscribe so you can see future episodes. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear please hit like and subscribe.